Good afternoon, good evening, happy Friday, everyone. And for all of you in the US, I hope you've had a most amazing Thanksgiving. Ours, of course, was last month. I'm from Canada, but I'm Reverend Barbara Jean, and I am delivering the good news tonight. And I'm so happy to be here with you all. Well, I tell you, as a young person growing up, I dreamed of flying cars and what that would be like to hover over traffic and move around speed. Oh, Oh, hey, wait a minute. It's now a reality. Who knew? Well, we'd been thinking about it for a long time. This is a flying car you can park in your garage and it lifts off and it made its maiden voyage. So this is exciting news. I had so much fun with this. I had to lead off. So last year, the Good News Network reported on the Samson Switchblade, a street legal car that had received its airworthiness certificate from the FAA and was ready to begin testing. Well, last week, a veteran pilot took the switchblade up on its maiden voyage, driving it to the airport, deploying its wings and tails, and taking off for a six-minute flight 500 feet above the ground. The highly anticipated two-seater received 2,300 reservations from 57 countries and all 50 states in the U.S., and the news of the successful maiden flight will likely see that number grow. It's such an exciting thing. So here's how it works. It needs an airport runway to take off and a private pilot's license to fly. So, I mean, obviously I'm not buying one, but somebody will. It uses unleaded gasoline rather than the leaded airplane fuel and needs three minutes to switch into flying mode. How cool is that? The aircraft can then be flown to the airport nearest your destination at up to 200 miles per hour and within a range of 450 miles. It can reach altitudes of 13,000 feet, supposedly. Once landed, it folds in its wings and tail and is small enough to be parked in a normal garage. So everybody, get out your checkbooks. Oh, do we do that anymore? Get out your plastic. Time to buy a flying car. How exciting. I, you know, it doesn't take much to uh, excite me these days, but <laughs> that was one of them. All right. So there's a lot of people who struggle with COVID and the recovery from COVID. And many people talk about the fact that they can't smell or taste. So using an image guided, minimally invasive procedure, scientists may be able to cure the loss of smell known as uh, perosmia, um, something like that, occasionally found in people who were infected with COVID-19. Now, while most COVID patients did recover their sense of smell over time, some, however, continue to have this, uh, the symptoms months or even years after infection. So the perosma, perosmia, was previously been reported as a rare disorder occurring after brain trauma, surgery, stroke, viral syndromes, uh, neck and head tumors. And for whatever reason, the treatment involves injecting an anesthetic right into the stellate ganglion on one side of the neck to stimulate the uh, autonomic nervous system. That's what we need in order to smell, I guess. So this minimally invasive procedure takes less than 10 minutes and it's been working very well for some people, 100% recovery. So if you've been suffering, 
there may well be an answer for you. Well, let's just move it along. We're talking about pain. So this particular thing, this, you know, they went through 27 million compounds and they found one that outperforms other pain meds. So scanning a lit library of 27 million different molecules, a bi-institutional uh, team identified some that work more effectively than the existing pain medications, gabapentin and pregabalin prescribed to nearly 50 million Americans in 2020. Gabapentin is used to treat pain and dysfunction related to restless leg syndrome. Yeah, I've got that. I've taken gabapentin actually. Uh, epilepsy, hot flashes, neuropathy, nerve pain, um, and the other drug, uh, pregabalin, of course has harsher side effects, some of them even leading to death. So this new drug um, is going to make a whole big difference. So it newly identified module molecule binds to an inner region of the calcium calcium channel to indirectly regulate it, outperforming these other drugs and without the side effects, promising a great relief for people who are suffering from these illnesses. Developing effective pain management with minimal side effects is crucial but creating new therapies has been challenging. Rather than directly going after known targets for pain relief, our lab is focused on indirectly targeting proteins that are involved in pain. In particular, the research centered around a protein called CR CRMP2, a key regulator of the calcium channel, which binds to it from the inside. He and his colleagues previously discovered a peptide derived from the CRMP2 that could uncouple from the calcium channel. With this peptide, you know, it was delivered to the cells and acted as a decoy, blocking the CRMP2 from binding to the inside of the channel. Result, feeling better. So those scientists, you know, they come up with creative solutions to all manner of things, and aren't we glad they do? Well, here's an interesting story. You never know what's hanging in your kitchen, what's hanging in your garage or wherever. Well, this particular painting was found to be hanging over an elderly woman's uh, little uh, hot plate. So a few years ago, the art world was abuzz with news that a painting by the 13th century master, okay, I got to get his name right here, Chimambue, I'm not sure I said that quite right, but Chimambui um, was discovered and was going up for option. At the time, it was found in the house of a 90-year-old French woman hanging above her hot plate. Christ mocked, was identified only because one of the elder's children decided to bring an appraiser into the house whilst they were preparing to help her move. The elder had originally planned to find a home, new home for the painting in the nearest wastebasket. Yes, she was going to throw it away, <laughs> assuming the 10 by 8 painting to be a simple Greek icon. Going up at auction in 2019, it sold for over $25 million, four times its predicted amount. Smithsonian reports that Fabrizio Moretti, the buyer who was working on behalf of two other collectors, believed it to be of inestimable value. It's one of the most important old master discoveries 
in the last 15 years. Uh, Simon Bui is the beginning of everything. He started modern art. When I held the picture in my hands, I almost cried. He was taken with this. Simon Bui is believed to be a pseudonym for a Florentine painter, whose name I cannot pronounce, who was born in 1240 and may have been the teacher of the celebrated Italian master Giotto. This is a milestone in art history and a really important find. And thank goodness she didn't throw it in the trash. All right, we're going to take a little commercial break. Thank our sponsors. I want to say a big thank you and give a shout out to the uh, Good News Network for supplying all this good news. And of course, uh, Sunnyside as well. There's just great stories that we find sunny skies, excuse me, where we find these great stories. So we're going to be back in just a minute. Don't go away. More good news to come. Please help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors, including the Hefferlin Foundation, Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, One Heart Retreats, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center, Kitchener, Ohm Center for Spiritual Living, La Mesa, Satya Center, Center for Spiritual Living, North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, and Center for Spiritual Living, Seattle as well as all of our individual donors. Thank you for making New Thought Media Network a place to be. Please. Watch me change when you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. And we're back with a great story. Oh my goodness, this is just so heartwarming. The, I'll tell you, we're surrounded by the most remarkable people in this world. And I, I think we need to focus more on that. So a New Hampshire man had no car, no furniture, but died with a big secret, leaving his town millions. Yes, millions. In the small town of Hinsdale, Jeffrey Holt lived a slightly eccentric but mostly quiet life, working contentedly as the groundskeeper of a mobile home park. Relying on either a bicycle or a lawnmower as his mode of transport, his friends remembered him as an articulate fellow and his obituary page describes him as fundamentally modest and demure, intellectually curious, humorous and somewhat eccentric. He was a person who made friends easily and an authority on automobiles and an aficionado, aficionado of die-cast metal cars as well as model railroading. The next line hints at the surprise that 4,200 residents of Hinsdale received along with the news of his death. 
that he had a knack for market economics and amassed a $4.2 million fortune through investing in mutual funds, which he left in its entirety to advance education, health services, recreation, and culture in the town. The story broke first by the Associated Press, uh, records the shock of several residents in the New Hampshire town who would often see him riding his sit-down lawnmower in the convenience store or sitting on it in the trailer park reading a newspaper in threadbare clothes watching the cars go by. Hinsdale has abundant fishing, hiking opportunities, and nearly the whole local economy is small businesses. The money was left to the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation, which believes it could transform the town. But the town administrator, on the other hand, said the money would be used just as Mr. Holt used it, frugally. Interest payments from the Foundation's Trust, which have now increased to around $150,000 a year, will be used to fund various grants that institutions or organizations can apply for. Talk about a good news story. There's so many beautiful people in our world, and I'll tell you, this gentleman, boy, he gets a gold star for what he's done. Well, you know, going above and beyond is something that some people just seem to do, and, you know, many, many never consider. But this young man, when we look at our teenagers, you know, sometimes we can be a little bit critical of them. But let's just take a look at this young fella. He made a change in his route going home, just took a slightly different route, and this resulted in the heroic act of kindness. In a heartwarming turn of events, a, a teenager's decision to take an unexpected route home resulted in a heroic act of kindness and has left the community buzzing with gratitude. Elijah Champion had visited Market Basket on Netherland Avenue to pick up a job application. On his journey back, he crossed over the avenue in the street and at 25th Street instead of his usual 27th Street route. And because I walked down to Family Dollar, I came down the road he was on, Champion told them. I know if I had crossed immediately, I wouldn't have seen him. It was during his detour that this high school freshman encountered an elderly man whose hips had given out, leaving him stranded about a mile and a half from his home. When I found him, he was lying on the side of the road with his bottom half in the grass and his top half in the road itself. When people drove by, they made sure to go around him, so it was pretty obvious they'd seen him. Oh my gosh. There are still people who would do that. Undeterred. Champion went door to door seeking assistance. And after knocking on approximately 15 doors, which is kind of the bad news, he finally found a willing neighbor and the plea for help was captured on camera. I felt relieved and surprised at the same time because I, I knew that if I tried hard enough, I would find someone who would help. It was disappointing just to see how many people wouldn't help. But... He persevered. While the man champion assisted preferred to remain anonymous, he expressed profound gratitude for the teen's quick thinking. And he remarked, I mean, he actually walked down two or three blocks down the road, got someone to help me. It's the good Lord looking after me. Nice to know there's still people out there that will help you. Well, there was a, 
a little sign. You can see it in the photo. If this is your son, you've done a great job raising him. He's a freshman, but I don't know his name. He was walking home from Market Basket where he was getting a job application when he saw an elder, older man on the ground. He ran to multiple houses until he found someone who could help. My husband went with him to find the older gentleman and took the man home. He was having trouble walking due to arthritis and he fell. Yeah, I would be very proud if I was his parent. Aw, how beautiful is that? It's, you know, it's interesting how little it takes to really do something wonderful for somebody else. So this is your job now from here on in. Practice random acts of kindness, please. All right. Here's another hero story. I'll tell you, we've got a couple of them tonight. Hero truck driver uh, saves a choking woman who stopped her car on a construction site. So an Illinois woman has a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, a pair of healthy children, the keys to a German-made SUV, and the fact that when her life depended on it, she parked in front of a hero in waiting. Jeff Hannes was calmly sitting on the side of the road in his cement truck at the Ozinga job site near Bolingbrook, I-55 and Route 53, listening to classical violin on his sound system. All of a sudden, his working day became very unusual as a woman pulled up in front of his truck, got out, and gave the international symbol that her airway was blocked. Two hands on the neck. Hannes, a former Army infantryman, jumped into action and performed the Heimlich maneuver. Three thrusts up in from under the ribcage, which dislodged the piece of food that was choking her. He said, I was in the right place at the right time, and I did what, in my opinion, most people would have done. But that wasn't the end of <laughs> this. Uh, he... Okay, let me just start that sentence again. But that wasn't the end of this from Silent Charisma. He had some more words to say when he spoke to Fox 32, when he reflected on accusations of being hero. He said, there's a Native American saying, it's not the path that we walk, it's how many lives we touch along the way. The Chicago Bulls reached out to Hannes and gave him free courtside tickets for his heroism. Woohoo! So be a hero you just might get yourself to some wonderful sporting event. And it goes on, it goes on, and it goes on tonight. Well, here we've got seven swimmers who owe their lives to Australian teens on boogie boards. Two rescues in one week. Wow. So unrelated teenage surfers rescued swimmers from drowning off the southeast coast of Australia on two separate occasions last week proving that while the stereotype of young surfers is one of laziness or laxness, it isn't all a bad thing. It was November 18th that six friends aged 12 and 15 were boogie boarding on uh, Kiama Beach in the Australian state of New South Wales, when just 20 minutes after rescue personnel finished their shift and went home for the day, they became aware via screaming that six people had been swept hundreds of meters out to sea in a rip current. A mom with her three young daughters and two young women were all caught in the violent water, leaving bubbles 
leaving buddies Max Laird, Braith Davidson, George Griffin, Harrison Smee, Alex Norris, and Zach Marsden as the only entry on the beach able to effect a rescue. Luckily, these straight strapping young lads are all members of the Kiama Surf Life Saving Club, and Harrison, the oldest of the crew at 15, led them back to dry land on their boards to save some lives. George described the event as shocking, but told ABC News Australia, we just had to do what we could. I got to an eight, nine-year-old kid called Matt, and by the time I got to him, he was completely underwater, just his hand above the surface of the water, so I was pretty worried, said George. Harrison, George, and their comrades rescued all six girls just nights after another group of surfers on another beach rescued another person, this time a distressed teenage boy swimming alone after safety patrol hours. Okay, so the message here, once all those lifeguard people go home, stay out of the water. That might be an idea. So this rescue, which took place on Jones Beach, about two miles north of Kiama Beach, was carried out by high schoolers. These kids did a great job and they made a big difference in a number of families' lives. So bravo, young man. You're awesome. Okay, well, here we go. Another awesome story of another young person doing great work. College student inspired by two mission trips to the Philippines, Joanna Maniti was standing in front of her University of Southern California class explaining her idea for a hypothetical nonprofit to help homeless children and orphans she had met when she had a light bulb moment. Don't you love those? Bing, something happens. Rather than hypothesize about a nonprofit that would help the archipelago orphans, she decided to go ahead and start one herself. And so was born Cherish Hearts International. I had this reflection of why haven't I started this during my time at USC? Right after the class, I just sent out a bunch of emails to old contacts of mine in the Philippines. And the first person who responded ended up being our first partnership within Cherish. In 2016 and 2018, uh, Maniti visited the island of Mindano and was devastated to see the condition of the unhoused and orphaned children living on the streets. She volunteered at a children's ministry, but eventually her trip had to end and she returned to the U.S. She decided to major in business and in the fall of 2020, took a class at USC on how to design and run a nonprofit, which she turned into Cherish Hearts International, which acts as a liaison to international business stakeholders to uncover areas of opportunity for the building of schools and shelters, and the first which opened in the summer of 2022. I'll tell you, when you have a dream, follow that. It's going to take you somewhere great. All right. So here's very, very sweet, very sad little story too, but very sweet. So after a teen dies, his friends visit his grandma. I'll tell you, I'm the most teary (laughs) newsreader in the universe. (laughs) Friends visit his grandma for breakfast every Wednesday to ease their loss. 
It's Wednesday morning in St. Louis outside Peggy Winkowski's house. It's not just the sun or the song of the birds that arrive at her front door, but a horde of hungry teenagers. They're all students from Bishop Duborg High School, ready to enjoy a hug with grandma and a plate of hot food as part of what they together term the Wednesday Breakfast Club. But it hasn't always been bacon, banter, and bright eyes. The Breakfast Club took on a new meaning when Grandma Peggy lost her grandson, Sam Crow, a Bishop Dubar's sophomore, to a hit and run last year. It was the young Mr. Crow who first started the Breakfast Club, which used to meet at a nearby diner. One day he announced, my grandma can cook better than this. And so it was that mediocre diner was abandoned in favor of Grandma Peggy's. Every Wednesday, a baker's dozen teens would show up for bacon and eggs until the fateful July day when the group learned of Sam's death. And breakfast, oh goodness girl, became the last thing on anyone was thinking about. That is, until the very next Wednesday, when hoping to make the spirit of her grandson proud, Piggy was up before dawn, warming skillets, cracking eggs, and whipping batter. And not wanting to be poor guests, the teens came back in greater and greater numbers just about every Wednesday afterwards. They came here every day for the whole week. They just wanted to make sure that I was okay. You know, teenagers sometimes get a bad rap. But you know, when it comes right down to it, I think we could learn a lot from some of them. All right. So Portugal has got some good news. Well, they found a way to not only cut the utility bill, but erase it for a few days in a row, six days. So sunny, windy, wavy, and small Portugal is uniquely situated are suited to renewable energy, which it just proved by powering the nation of 10 million entirely with the forces of nature for six straight days. How cool is that? That'll reduce that bill. It all started on Friday, the 27th of October, when the largest energy company in the nation reported that conditions of wind and waves were generating the entirety of the nation's energy supply. They predicted the conditions would carry on through Saturday, but they actually kept going on for the next five days, including some periods when the nation's grid was exporting renewable energy to the grids in Spain. In total, there were 149 hours of total renewable generation, 95 of which saw the Portuguese grid exporting to Spain, a run that broke the previous record for consecutive days of 100% renewable use. While solar power is often seen as the most important renewable electricity source, the record began and carried on for many days in rainy, windy weather. That's because many turbines were built in the 90s when solar panel installations were not cost effective. So wind power, wind power, wind power. Well, I'm so excited whenever I get an opportunity to do the good news. And I just want to say that this past week was the National Transgender Awareness Week. And Monday was the day of remembrance for transgender people who have been killed through violent acts. And so it was important just to mention that every life is valuable, that human rights, human rights 
So if I am human, I have rights. If I am transgender, if I am LGBTQ, if I, whatever, I have rights. And what I know is that all of us are part of one system, one thing, and whatever we do within that impacts all of it. So I invite you to be the change that you want to see in the world. Be the peace, the love, the joy, whatever it is. Find a way in your hearts and minds to not only be grateful for the life that you've been given, to be grateful for the beauty that you've created in the world for yourself, but let us move that out beyond us so that we might find a way to create harmony, love, and peace everywhere we look. That peace becomes the model. And of course, it begins within each one of us. Be the change you want to see and watch the good news just grow. Thank you all for watching tonight. I'm so grateful to be part of this network. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And by the way, donate to the New Thought Media Network. Let's keep this good news moving forward. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye for now. On behalf of everyone at New Thought Media Network, thank you for being a member of our virtual family. Your financial contributions help share the New Thought message with people from around the world. Please visit and contribute at www.ntmedia.org forward slash donate. New Thought Media Network, come be you. And please like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, peace and blessings.